Hey listeners, Steven here, back with another interview as part of our bi-weekly Canadian developers series that kicked off last month with Foolish Mortals in Saskatoon, and most recently Steve talked to Insert Coin Accounting about how to get your finances in order as a game studio. This week I'm talking to Spoonie Bard Productions, based right here on the East Coast in Truro, Nova Scotia. Spoonie Bard Productions is a solo game developer named Thomas, who's had a fascinating path to game development from making Flash games as a kid, before ultimately getting to develop Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl, which just released on Steam and Nintendo Switch. Thomas Thomas's work is also really interesting in that several of his games can be played on the Nintendo Entertainment System and in fact have been printed onto cartridges by Limited Run Games. Thomas and I have a fascinating conversation and I had a great time, as I hope you do too. Alright, I have a couple warm-up questions. Uh, could you give us your name, where you're located, and how would you describe what you do? Yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Thomas Guinan. Um... I'm an indie game developer working under the uh, brand Spoonie Bar Productions on, um, based out of uh, Toronto, Nova Scotia. And what's your earliest memory with a video game? Uh, whew, let me think. Probably very earliest uh, I can think of. I remember back when I was a kid uh, in the mid-80s, my dad bringing home this uh, Pong console. I didn't even know what it was called, but it it was one of those like, um, just like, had like three variants of Pong that you'd play with the weird little paddle controller. And uh, I remember having one of those for a couple of years before we finally got an NES. <laughs> like the OG Pong? Uh, yeah, I think it was some sort of off-brand like Radio Shack type thing. But gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what is it like trying to launch a game during a global pandemic? Is you notice anything different than when you've launched games at any other time? Uh well this is this is interesting because this is my first kind of uh major console release. Mm-hmm. Um I've done stuff on Steam before, which I I, I mean Steam it's gonna be the same either way, I guess. Right. Um so uh it's hard for me to really gauge a comparison, but um and a lot of the work I do is from home anyway, so I feel like the pandemic hasn't personally affected me as far as my work goes as much as it would have some other people. Right, you don't go to a studio or anything. You, you are already working from home doing Zoom calls and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Have you been playing any good games lately while you're stuck at home? Uh, I mean, like pretty much everybody, Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Throw <Yes. laughs> that in every once in a while. but I forgot to buy turnips this morning. I'm kind of sad. <laughs> All right, cool. So I have a couple of questions about your studio now. Where did the name Spoonie Bard Productions come from? I think can I can I guess? Sure. So like Spoonie, like like two spoons, or like when you spoon somebody, or like Bard, like the people who sing. That that was all I could come up with. Was that it? <laughs> no, it's actually. Um, well, I, it, it started. Um, I had a website called the Spoonie Bard, um, <laughs> which is kind of what turned into Spoonie Bard Productions. It sort of evolved over time. Um, that I'd started in high school, but it's a it's a really weirdly translated quote from uh, the original Super Nintendo version of Final Fantasy II. Okay. There's a part where there's a character that says "You Spoonie Bard" as an insult, and just it always struck me as funny. <laughs> That's much better than than what I was guessing. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> Um, so what was your first uh, game you ever released or finished to a point where you were satisfied with? Uh, I guess the first one would have been uh, Eskimo Bob, which was um, my first game for the NES. Um, the, there was a few like little Flash games I had made, um, sort of early 2000s uh, 
because Eskimo Bob had started out as a Newgrounds cartoon uh, or a Flash cartoon that was on Newgrounds in like 2001. And there was a couple of Flash games I had made with that that I guess were complete, but they're sort of long lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got into uh, sort of the NES game development, um, I used the same characters. So that was the, the first game. I want to come back to um, making games for a 30-year-old piece of hardware, but I'm wondering how you feel about Flash going away. And, um, like, every time I open Chrome now, it gets notification, like, Flash is getting disabled later this year. Do you want to turn it off now? Does, does that pain you a little bit? I mean, a little bit. I It's funny because everybody really turned on it, and it was kind of, I mean, ultimately, you can, I think you can blame Steve Jobs for that way back when he, uh, with the iPhone launch and all that, and... and bad mouthing flash and it kind of because it was huge like in the 2000s it was like you know everywhere the internet was flash more or less um new head sites like Newgrounds, like the new grounds i think they're working on their own flash player now so just as a way to preserve that legacy content because there's there's so much mm-hmm media that was created with flash that's basically unusable now to regular people so it's so sad yeah it is kind of sad like but it's all it all has to do with how everything in the last decade or so has gone you know mobile friendly no mobile devices wanted to support it so everyone else kind of rejected it Mm -hmm. and there's a couple people who started with flash who've now gone on to develop you know games for like steam and consoles kind of like you and i think of um Nitrome in the UK, they're like chicken bomb and stuff. So I, th- I think it's got that place in history of like launching all these these careers. So, but it's still sad that all of this content's going to be lost. Yeah, so it's kind of cool that Newgrounds, where they were, sort of that hub of Flash, where they're creating their own Flash player to preserve that. I think that's a really good thing. I hadn't heard of that, so I have to I have to keep my eye on that. Yeah, I don't know a whole much about it, but I I definitely have heard about it. So. So back to making games for the NES. What obviously like they're also on Steam and stuff, but what is the like limitation you put on yourself when you start making a game for the NES? Uh well, I mean, I guess it's not so much the limitation I put on myself, but it's the limitation that the system itself has and it's right. it's um I mean, it's an extremely extremely primitive platform. So working with that is a lot different than, say, just, you know, Unity. Everything's hard-coded. Everything is, um, you know, you've got, you get different memory mappers you can use, but even the biggest ones are extremely small, like extremely, extremely small. Um, like my first game, uh, the entire file, like everything, it was 40 kilobytes. That's Amazing. how the was. Um, the newest one, James and Bob Mall Brawl. If you're looking at it as an NES ROM, it's mm-hmm. it's like just under 400 kilobytes. That's amazing. Yeah, and it, it's funny too because for people who know that sort of stuff, then they'll look at it, um, say on the Switch, and the download size is like 130 megabytes. They're like, "What that for an NES game?" But that's still really tiny for a modern game. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of you know, well, it's it's. Um, you know, it's got emulator, it's in Unity. Uh, some of the assets had to be converted into modern file formats and stuff. But it's 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 rather funny um, how quickly some, you know, you can have something that works in such a small size, and then just converting it to a different format just it grows exponentially and is still tiny. Right. <laughs> it's funny. There's a, there's a distinct lack of respect for hard drive space. I've noticed get more and more like um. 
Call of Duty Warzone now at this point with the latest patch is almost 200 gigabytes on consoles. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, it, and it's funny too on consoles. Like I think a lot of it, people almost think of it like you know on PC where people all have like you know at least a couple terabytes or the hard drive space or something. So who cares, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a Nintendo Switch where it's got what. 32 gigs built in or something i believe so really yeah. tiny it, it's hilarious too like just as some like i'm 38 years old so mm-hmm. like i remember my first actual pc that i got back when we were about 13 years old we got the first home pc in the mid 90s and it was like you know i think it had 400 megabyte hard drive (laughs) so it's it's funny to think you know that 32 gigs is tiny now and that just would have seemed absolutely massive i read that the uh, entire nes file size library can fit in an email attachment oh yeah probably It, it wouldn't surprise me i mean i would say on average the games are like you know 128 or 256 kilobytes each they're, they're not huge. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I had a question about Eskimo Bob. Have you ever encountered any any pushback to the name Eskimo? I know it's been a conversation with like the Edmonton Eskimos and the CFL and sort of around the country. I've seen it more in recent years. But is that ever something that's affected you in that game? Uh, not really. And I think it's probably because it's a small scale. Mm. Um, it, it more has to do, I think, the time when, I mean... In 2001, I think people didn't really think about it so much, and mm-hmm. there was never any like ill intent behind it. And sort of, I sort of moved away from using the word Eskimo as much as possible. Even when I made the sequel to the game, I called it Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, and I only referred to the character as Bob because he was never meant to be like some sort of grotesque Inuit parody or anything like that. It was. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, you know, I was a teenager at the time. And we just sort of made something. Um, my brother and I made something that we thought was funny. And uh, there's, I guess, it, it, a lot of it to me has to do with intent. And most people kind of understood that at, at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's people who, a lot of that fan base has sort of carried over. And it grew into something a lot more than, uh, than uh, you know, than what it was. Bob matured as you did. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of a, I guess I almost sort of use the, uh, I use the same name for the first game and then sort of did that sort of, you know, slow pivot away to try to, you know, keep the characters and everything because you the characters that the people liked and stuff. And then I pivot away because it was always Eskimo Bob starring Alfonso. So then the next mm-hmm. game I called it Alfonso's Arctic Adventure and Bob and wrote it into the story where Bob was kind of a side character in that sequel. So it, uh, and if and if I ever do do another game, um, I'll probably find a creative way around it like that too, because I don't want to intentionally offend people or intentionally cause any you know harm or anything like that. Mm. So, um, but at the same time, I kind of had this sort of existing franchise that I wanted to build off of. So you got to kind of find a creative way around that while being respectful, I guess. It's a there's some gray area there, and it's a bit of a tightrope walk. Yeah, exactly, and it, and it all depends on who, because there are people like I mean, there are Inuit people who've um, who've been fans of it, and they have no problem with it. And I think <laughs> it's because I think it's because you know there's all that whole nuance and intent thing. So um, I think for someone, if they were to be offended, it, it would be more likely. Um, due to like intentionally 
wanting to be offended, if that makes sense. Like the Eskimo is the joke in the game rather than. Yeah. And yeah. and the only character who ever, like even during the, say the car, the original cartoons and games we made and stuff, he's very like, um, Bob is actually, um, I guess kind of similar to silent Bob, um, as a character, it's kind of <laughs> funny. Cause he, he doesn't talk that much, but when he does talk, what he has to say is smart and he's hmm. like, he's, he's a hero. He's very, uh, he's, you know, he's the, he's the smartest guy going on in that entire cartoon. Um, so when you've got a character who's, you know, he's, he's kind of got like, he even, he has almost superpowers, it's there's it's not really a negative portrayal i guess is what i'm saying i like that i might call this episode uh from eskimo bob to silent bob what do you think (laughs) yeah that works cool um pivoting a bit how did you connect get connected with limited run games i read they reached out to you uh yeah they did reach out to me and it all i guess comes back to the eskimo bob thing again um because uh josh fairhurst um you know, he's CEO of Limited Run. He was a uh, he was a big Eskimo Bob fan back in like 2001, throughout the 2000s. Actually, I remember him posting updates um, when he was developing uh, Saturday Morning RPG. He was posting this updates about it on the Eskimo Bob forum, mm-hmm. which was pretty. So I kind of saw Limited Run Games growing as a company through Josh and just over those years, I kind of developed a friendship with him online anyway. So, um, after that game came out, um, the first game that I worked with Josh, um, for limited run was a uh, golf, which is, a, it's a spinoff of a uh, golf story for the switch. Okay. There's a mini game called golf in it. And it's uh, a tribute to uh, kind of the original, black box nes golf game the extremely simplistic 8-bit golf and uh, he asked me how hard it would be to do a a port of that game for nes Mm -hmm. so i did so that ended up being the first project uh that i did with him we put together a port of that game and uh it sold pretty quickly so uh then then that sort of grew into the uh the jane silent bob opportunity so your first project with them was a sort of spin-off game for one of their existing games and then Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl start was also a kind of a spin-off of that other crowdfunded Jay and Silent Bob game, right? Right. That's so there's a there's a pattern I'm seeing here. Yeah, so that's what I think the idea is. It's almost taking that uh there's other games too that have done that, but just not with an actual NES game. But if you look at something like Bloodstained, where it was like this crowdfunded game and then as a you know, I'm guessing as a way to sort of you know as a promotion or to earn more funding for development or whatever, they released the uh, sort of eight bit style Bloodstain game first mm-hmm. um, before the main one came out. So it, it's sort of taking that concept. Um, I'm trying to think. There's another even way back on like the DS. There was uh, Dark Void, I think it was called, and there was they had sort of a, a fake NES game that they released on the DS, and then they had a bigger game that came out for PlayStation or whatever. But it's it's a it's a model that I think companies will use sort of having a smaller spin-off game first to help, you know, build hype or, or raise funding or that sort of thing. That's interesting. Yeah. It's taken that idea to the next level by, cause I mean, even when something like say Mega Man nine came out, there were lots of people asking like, Whoa, can this game actually run on an NES? And there's still people this day that'll try to make hacks of like, you know, a different Mega Man game to bring in Mega Man nine levels. Mm-hmm. It, there's that desire when you see uh, an eight bit looking game, 
a lot of people just have that desire to play it on the original hardware. So I guess the that's what I'm doing is is developing it for that hardware and then it's easier to develop for that hardware and then port it, you know, upport it to Switch or something like that through an emulator than it is to originally create it for a, a high a modern console and then backport it because then you, the limitations and stuff are already there. So for people listening who aren't 100% on this, you can take these games and carts, plug them into an NES or one of those other sort of retro cart reader uh, systems, and it'll play the game. Yeah, exactly. That's got to feel pretty cool, doesn't it? It does. It, it feels really cool. Um, and it's something, it's funny, where I've been doing it for a couple of years, it's like you almost take it for, I almost take it for granted now, but I remember that first, that first time that I made a game and then I just plugged it in to a cartridge, like plug the cartridge into a console and uh, I'm playing it. It, it. it was a really cool feeling because it's something I always, as a kid, wanted to do. You'd be playing something like, you know, Mario Paint or something. And you're drawing up graphics and thinking, like, it would be cool if I could make this into a real game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can. Yeah, and now I can. So That's awesome. Um, you say on your site that you want to make games that make people, quote, snap their controller in half and throw it against the wall, <laughs> preferably on a live stream. And that that would bring you great joy. <laughs> so I just wanted uh, to ask, drill down on that. Um, why why would that bring you joy? That's hilarious. I don't even remember when I wrote that, but it, it's <laughs> funny because there's that. Now it's you brought that quote up, and now I'm looking at like some of the reactions people are having to that. Uh, the shopping cart level in Mall Brawl. That's like a Battletoads kind of esque. Oh no, Turbo Tunnel level um so and there's people who are like they're like this is ridiculous and uh it's just funny and it it's almost like like even eskimo bob the the boss that i put together for that game a lot of people when i released it were like this game is fun until i got to the final boss and this is absolutely ridiculous (laughs) i didn't even mean for it to be like that at first but then seeing people react like that it's just it it cracked me up, and that's probably why I wrote that quote in there originally. Has anyone snapped their controller on stream that you've seen? No, but if they did, I would laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, how connected do you feel the game development scene is in Nova Scotia? Um, it's kind of funny because I almost feel... Um, in some way, I kind of live in this little bubble where I'm developing on, like, where I'm developing for such old hardware, and a lot of it has been so niche so far. Um, mm-hmm. And Marlboro is the first game that I've developed that's been on, like, um, Nintendo Switch. And uh, so I feel like I'm almost at this interesting sort of crossroads where it switches from being kind of that... Uh, um, where it switches from being kind of homebrew to indie, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, it's uh, so it's kind of different. Um, there's not a lot of other people specifically in Nova Scotia that do what you know that are doing quite what I do. So I don't I don't know a lot of people here. A lot of what I do is um, online because there is a there is a pretty big development community for say nes development online mm-hmm. as far as regular game development uh i've had some people start reaching out to me now that uh that Marlboro's popped out and i think maybe it's it's kind of put me a little bit 
on a different radar where I wasn't before. So I guess that's a question I'm going to probably find out more of in the upcoming, you know, weeks or months or whatever. Well, we have a Game Dev Atlantic coming up in a couple of months, so you definitely tune into that if you're interested. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely interested. Cool. Now, some questions specifically about Mall Brawl. Um, how did, so you got connected through Limited Run, who were working on this other game that was a crowdfunding campaign, and they reached out to you to ask about another spinoff? Uh, yeah, so with, uh, with Mall Brawl, it was actually, it's actually uh, Interabang that had the crowdfunded campaign, and they were <clears> talking to Limited Run about when, you know, about doing a, a Limited Run release of the, of the other Jane Song Bug game, which is uh, Chronic Blunt Punch. Uh, that was the one that is... Uh, you know, that's sort of their bigger game that they've been working on developed for uh, for modern consoles. Um, so they were talking to Limited Run, and Limited Run kind of came back with, hey, I know this guy that can do an NES game and maybe, you know, developing an 8-bit game to help. Uh, maybe that'd be a good thing. So that's sort of how it uh, that relationship came to be. So Limited Run contacted me. They introduced me to... Uh, Justin from uh, Interabang that mm -hmm. he's been my uh, my go-to guy for that basically where so I've been working with him really closely uh, for the development of Mall Brawl. Have you got to talk to Kevin Smith? Uh no, I didn't. Dang. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll see how it goes. I saw him tweeting about it, so he's playing the game you made. That's got to feel pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool and I watched Jay playing it on uh on a live stream as well so that was pretty cool too had you seen the movies before you've been reached out to work on it oh yeah yeah I've, i'm a i was a big fan of the movies growing up so does that help uh add any maybe in jokes to the game or writing i think so i think it helped a lot because there are definitely a lot of in jokes um and, and people pick up on those especially like kevin smith fans tend to you know, there there is definitely that that group of Kevin Smith fans who've watched everything, especially his early stuff. But you know, things that other people might not even think about, stuff like you know the Clerks animated series. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there, I, I've got a lot of references to that because that in particular, I I always really really liked that that series. So I tried to throw some references into that. Um, and people pick up on those, and people see that, and I think it shows people that it was kind of made with some love. That's awesome. Uh, you'd mentioned one of the challenges working with Interabang was them being four hours behind you. On the, they're on the west coast of California, you're in the east coast, Nova Scotia. And you, you mentioned your days started sometimes at 1 p.m. was the morning meeting, quote unquote. Yeah, so that's kind of how it's just kind of how it is. So it's, you know, you get used to that. So and then they'll sort of. Um, so the meeting times is just sort of in my brain. I, I, I get that like, okay, well, we're going to have a meeting at 4.30. So I know that that's 8.30 for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it is what it is. So it's, it's not really so much a problem. It's, it's more just, uh, it, it was kind of funny to me at first, but it's, it's sort of sunk in as, as regular life now. Does your, do you start your day at one whenever, when they start their day or are you already four hours into the workday by the time they have their morning meeting? Uh, I'll, I'll be working a bit, um, beforehand. Um, and, and sometimes it'll be, you know, I'll, uh, towards the end of the day, I'll like eat supper. And if there's an afternoon meeting for them, I'll like, I'll have already had supper. And then it's like, oh, I better take a little break and go, go do this meeting. And then... <laughs> what was the biggest challenge during the development of Marlboro that you ran into? Hmm. Biggest challenge. Um, 
Let me think. That's tough. Uh, I don't know if there's any one particular uh, challenge that I can think of that was a sticking point. Um, it was definitely interesting. Later in the development, we brought in some artists from uh, Wild Ride Games to help finish up some of the uh, artwork. And it was it was really interesting uh, explaining... Because they they asked, you know, sort of what are the limitations to the artwork. Um, and doing artwork now, you'd even think like, um, you know, limitations. You can't just give a number like, okay, well, we can only handle, um, you know, 32 colors on screen or something. Even something like that, you can't really say because things are split up. You know, you've got so many colors per sprite and so many colors per background. Like there's one background layer that you can have different um sort of uh 16 by 16 pixel blocks with different colors so mm-hmm. you, it's it's very hard to translate just a regular bitmap created on anything to the nes because it, everything is so tile based mm-hmm. and the sprites work on a different layer with different color palettes um so we ended up working on that by sort of got them just to do everything in four color grayscale. And uh, then I would apply color to it afterwards as it made sense because there's just, I get that it's, so that was sort of an interesting workaround. Um, it was onboarding artists who'd, who'd never worked under those limitations before. Yeah, exactly. And, and making that work, which I think we did successfully the game to me, it looks great, especially for the, uh, for the era. Um, it turned out really good. Is this the start of the Jay and Silent Bob game cinematic universe? <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Is this going to be, do you see sequels to maybe other Kevin Smith properties or other games like that? I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see how, uh, how sales go and that sort of stuff. I think that'll, that'll affect that. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be helping, uh, helping out with, with chronic blunt punch. Now I've, uh, I'm working on that, on that team with them now. So, um, I think there is going to be some connections between those two games at the very least. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what you're working on next is just helping with them or are there any other projects in the works at Spoonie Bird Productions? Uh, there could be, I don't really have anything official to, to say right now other than, okay. you know, I am going to be working on, on Chronic Blonde Punch, so. I like to wrap up with a couple questions. Um, firstly, what's one thing you wish you knew at the start of your career making video games that you know now? Uh, I guess one thing, it depends on what I want to think of. Because I feel like I had sort of an, uh, a, a weird career in a way. Because I, I started out doing the, the Flash stuff when I was mm-hmm. like you know, about 19 years old. I was, I was just out of high school. I was taking a course at, uh, at NSCC and, uh, that's, that's sort of how I got into flash. And back then I really didn't know anything about, uh, you know, marketing myself or anything like that. And you also have sort of a lot of a different kind of idealism, um, when you're that age. So when I'm 19, it was almost like I was, you almost feel this determination not to make money because you don't want to be, I don't know. Um, like I'm trying to think of the words, um, like taking advantage of people or something. You don't know the value of your own work. Mm. So I never, um, you know, we never even did things like small things. Like there was never like advertising on the website. Um, 
there was we sold some like t-shirts or a cafe press site i think and that was about it there wasn't a whole lot as far as trying to actually monetize um even though we were getting like hundreds of thousands of views on the videos on Newgrounds. So there was there was certainly a market and we didn't really have an, any knowledge on how to tap into that market. Um, so I, I, what ended up happening was I sort of did it as a hobby. So I was developing, you know, I was making these flash cartoons and games and stuff. I'm doing it very much hobby level. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I'm working at a call center for like my cable company. So, and it was, and eventually, um, I ended up going back to school, taking uh, computer science, and uh, I wish I had sort of done some of that stuff earlier. Um, and two, the internet just is a different place because where I had where there are things available like Kickstarter and stuff now. Like um, for that first Eskimo Bob game, I ran a Kickstarter for it, and um, running a Kickstarter, it's I think that's a really doing something like that if you're an indie developer is a really good thing to do because you can really gauge like if there's a market for what you're putting out or not mm-hmm. a lot of, some of it has to do with like just the way the internet is now because it's easier to market yourself and some of it just has to do with knowledge of like you know realizing that uh as a content creator that like what you create has value to not even though it, you might not feel like that at first i feel like that's a common thing like when people are starting out that because they're doing something and they're not being paid to do it so they don't realize that what they're doing necessarily has value mm. so you'll either have sort of the two common setbacks i think are you create something and then you just release it for free and there's no way to monetize it or you you start creating something and you never you never follow through and finish it mm. So I guess the two things I would say to do are to, uh, if you start a project, you want to start a project that you know that you can finish and follow through and finish that project and try to try to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Even if you are working or, you know, if you're in school at the same time or if you're working at the same time, set some time aside that you can, that you can make sure that you finish this project and keep it within a scope that you know that, that you can do it. And, uh, then find a way to, uh, to market and monetize that because then that's going to really grab people's attention. Cause if you can create, if you create a value for your project that people are ready to accept, then people will accept it, that that has value. So the Eskimo Bob three untitled game may, may or may not be a Kickstarter question mark. Hi, uh, I'm not sure yet. It, it may be something that happens. I've got some ideas. I, I've thought about it. I guess it, it has, um, I'll have to see, um, have to see if that does materialize or not, but okay. I, I definitely have some ideas. Excellent. <laughs> I, can, I can go with that at least. Last question. Is there anything you wish people knew about game development that you feel they don't more, more broadly rather than like people in the game dev community, the players and the, the greater community around games? Uh, I think uh, what a lot of people don't know is like that there are actual people behind the games that are being developed. Um, mm. I think a lot of people, you know, you don't you don't think about that when you're when you're a kid playing games, or even as an adult playing games. A lot of the time, you don't think about, you know, hey, there's there's actual people, and a lot of especially indie games, you're looking at something that it might have only been one or two or three people that that put that together, and the amount of 
the amount of hours and effort that goes into it, it, it kind of can't be overstated. Like there's, there is a lot of work and time and, uh, and energy that goes into creating a game that, um, and I think people, you know, aren't, they're also not making quite as much as you think. So <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's, it's those two things I think that people don't realize. Especially if people aren't uh, monetizing their, their work early on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So Jalen, Silent Bob, Mall Brawl, Out Now, Steam, Nintendo Switch. Um, where can people follow you? And is there any other anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely right now plug that um, I would... Uh, encourage people to try out uh chainsaw bob mall brawl it's only 15 bucks um it's on nintendo switch it's on steam uh so yeah definitely check it out um if you want to follow me um on twitter instagram uh facebook anything like that my handle is uh spoonie bard toma so yeah awesome thank you so much for your time today thomas we really appreciate it and uh, yeah, excited to, to check out the game and whatever you work on next. Awesome. Thanks for having me.